Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, we are live. We are going to be hanging out, talking to one of my new friends, but somebody that I've I followed and, and I've admired for a couple of years now, Mr. Brian. I, and guys, we're going to be talking about being uh, anything to do with writing books, being an author, publishing. He is the man. If you need to know the man, that's the man. Brian, how are you doing today, brother? Fantastic, Richard. How are you? Oh, uh, you know, life is great. Um, We've been around the same circles of people for years now, and finally we get a chance to hang out. And Miss Tamara, Tammy girl, said we got to talk. So that's why I just said, all right, it's time for me to step up my game and talk to you. So what's going on in your world? Wow, all the things. Uh, doing a lot of things. I'm working on a client's book right now. I'm working on one of my books. It's a collaborative book with my Facebook group, Authorpreneur Live about the greatest lessons we learned from our dads and I'm publishing my magazine every month and I'm going to be working on a client's magazine shortly. So I've got a lot of things on my plate. I'm pretty happy about that. you got a lot going on then. So tell us a little bit about your background, uh, where you're from, you know, where you grew up and what kind of little boy was Brian? Yeah, I grew up in a small town in Iowa and I was a really good student in school and I liked to write in my free time. In fact, I remember, gosh, in fourth grade, I remember if I was done with all my homework, I would write stories to existing TV shows that I watched, like Lost in Space, for example. I or, love that. Under, or Underdog, show. the cartoon, yeah. In fact, sometimes when I was in church with my family, if I got a little fidgety, mom would hand me a notebook and I would just start writing. So yeah, it was pretty cool and I, did some writing in my spare time. I tried writing a time travel novel in high school and I wrote myself into a corner and didn't know how to get out of it. So I stopped. I realized that fiction was probably not going to be my sandbox, uh, probably in college. And I decided that nonfiction was something that was much more interested in. I like personal development. I like business. I like self-help, uh, that, arena. And so that's what I write in. That's what my radio shows about. That's what my magazine's about. And that's what my books are generally about. So you find an area that you like to play in and then you're passionate about it. And then you just run with it. I also have a teaching background. I taught at a two-year business school in Lincoln, Nebraska called Lincoln School of Commerce. It no longer exists. But when I was in graduate school, I also had an assistantship at the University of Nebraska. So I taught public speaking at the University of Nebraska for a few semesters. And, and that was fun. It got real the first time I saw people taking notes on what I was saying. So I knew that I had to be on my A game every day because people were writing down what I was saying. And then after a while, I started resume writing. So I helped people find work. And that was fun for a while. And then I moved to Arizona. I was in the call center world for a long time. Not only did I spend time calling people and businesses on the phone, but I also was a supervisor in some roles. I was the trainer in a couple of roles 
and I did payroll in one company for 400 people every single week in three locations. So that was fun. Uh, and after a while though, I just got burned out and I just wasn't sure what my purpose was. I just felt like I was going from place to place to place and not really getting anywhere. And I didn't really know what I wanted. That was the huge piece was I didn't know, I didn't have clarity around what I wanted. I was chasing the next opportunity that looked good. And I didn't have an overall vision for what I wanted my life to look like. I didn't really have a business yet. But in January 2012, almost 10 years ago, I started my radio show, Success Profiles Radio. And my goal was to interview the most successful people in the world. And I'm doing that still. And I didn't know what my business was going to look like yet even then. And then I started Success Profiles Magazine in December 2017. So that's almost four years old. And I also ghostwrite now. And so now I have a lot more clarity around what my business looks like. I help people get their message out to the world in a much bigger way. And so now, it's great. Who were some of your, your first influences as far as personal development, self-development? Because I'm a big Zig Ziglar guy. Yeah. Um, Brian Tracy. Who were some of the people that started getting you into the whole self-development? Uh, those two and Tony Robbins. So Zig Ziglar, I got a book called Over the Top yeah. back in the 90s. That book was new uh, at the time. Uh, or maybe it was See What the Top. No, See What the Top was his first one, but Over the Top was his one that came out, I think, in the 90s. I bought that and was just really intrigued by it. Uh, Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within. I joined the gym for, for, I joined a gym for the first time because of chapter one of that book, Make a Decision Now. And, and you know, I, Tony's amazing. And it's amazing the longevity. You know, a lot of people will just do something, they'll be hot for a minute. But he's been in the game, I don't even know how long now. But he stays consistency. Mm -hmm. You find that very important, consistency? Oh, absolutely. You have to do something on a very regular basis. It's like your favorite television show. If it's been on for a long time and it has an audience, it's because it's on every single week at the exact same time. The kiss of death is when I start moving your show all around to other time slots to try and find a new audience. Well, you're alienating your existing fans because if you keep moving around, they're going to just give up after a while. I'll just watch reruns. And now with streaming, you can watch it on demand. But back in the day, you had to watch your show at the same day, at the same time, every week, if you're going to catch it. And if you missed it, you had to wait three or four months for a rerun episode to happen for you. And if your favorite show got moved to Saturday night or Tuesday night or whatever, a, a low performing time spot, you knew your show was about to get canceled. Well, for me, like, you know, growing up as a kid, Friday nights was my night because I was able to watch the Dukes of Hazard. Oh, yeah. Da you know, Dallas, stuff like that. And, but I knew I planned my week around that mm -hmm. Friday. Yeah. So I totally understand what you're getting at. So talk to us about starting, how you started and why you started your, um, your broadcast and how hard was it to first start getting guests? Well, I was invited by a friend of mine to start a radio show. And so I decided to buy a spot on the Toginet radio network. And it took me a few weeks to really think about it. I'm the kind of person that I want to think about something first. And then once I commit, I'm all the way in. 
And I finally decided, you know what, this is probably a good idea. Hal Elrod was my very first guest. And this is before the Miracle Morning blew up. I had met him at a couple of conferences that I went to, a couple of events. And so that's where I tend to meet my guests is at events or uh, they're referred to me now. But at first it was people in my own network. And then after a while, PR firms started finding my show and started saying, hey, I have a potential guest for you. And the majority of my guests now are referred to me by PR agencies. In fact, I don't even answer every single pitch I get because I just get way too many. I mean, it's a blessing to have. It's a blessing to be able to say no or not respond if I don't think it's a great fit. So, you know, like you mentioned before, you said Tony Robbins, that first chapter made you jump into action. Mm -hmm. A lot of people that are you know watching or listening are probably sitting back and they've always wanted to write a book. They've mm -hmm. always wanted to start a podcast. They've always mm -hmm. wanted to start a radio show, but they're afraid. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes they, it's paralysis of analysis. Yeah. They think, you know, once everything in the world aligns, right, they're going to yeah. start it, but they never do. So talk to us about that. Just get just starting it. Yeah. Just get started. Uh, that's, that's the main thing is uh, just know why you're writing your book know who your audience is and just have a vision for how someone's life can change because they read your book or they heard your story. There are people out there right now who need your message, who aren't getting it because you haven't shared it yet. So it talk is, to us about the first book you ever wrote. It was a, it was a student leadership book. And my goal for writing that was because I wanted to speak at schools about leadership and leadership is one of the topics that they like to hire. So I thought that would be a good way in. And I've spoken at a few local high schools here. And in fact, the way I did it was if you buy a book for every student in the class, I will speak for free. And so I did it by driving sales of my book. And I had a really great time. Uh, it, it was fun because at the end of the talk, uh, people wanted me to sign their books. And that was surreal. And in fact, uh, several of the classes that I spoke for had read my book in advance. And so the students had their highlights and their their marks and their margins, notes in the margins. And sometimes a student would ask me about something that I wrote, which was really pretty cool. But uh, yeah, it, you feel a little famous in the small pond when you do that. But there's a real connection. There's a, a level of perceived authority that people give to you when you've written a book. So I do advocate that you find your message and you write something. I think everyone does have a message. And the key is, I mean, your friends and family will buy your book, but there are millions and billions of people in the world who don't know you. Why do they want to read your book? So just telling your story isn't really enough. What do you want people to think, do, believe, or act upon once they finish reading your book? That's your driving force. You think about books like uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, his whole agenda was to sell his cash flow game. It wasn't just to share a lot of great information, which he did, but he wanted people to buy his game. T. Harvecker, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, his goal for the book was to invite you to come to his free weekend event that was three days long. Now, once you're at the event, his team will upsell you on courses and seminars and masterminds and the numbers work so that they can bring you in for free. But there was an agenda behind the book. And it was pretty liberally sprinkled throughout. And so you knew what his end game was, but he provided a ton of value, just like Robert Kiyosaki did in his book. So that's what you want to do. You want to provide a ton of value, 
but what's your call to action afterwards? Are you looking for them to get on your email list? Do you want them to buy something from you later, a bigger ticket item? Do you want them to join your coaching program? Do you want them to get on your email list? Do you want them to come to a retreat with you? Do you want them to come to an event? What do you want them to do? So that's what you need to know. In fact, when I ask people, what do you want to have happen because of this book? What's your call to action? They look at me a little cross-eyed and they're like, what do you mean? And so I tell them exactly what I just told you. And so it's pretty cool. I enjoy the experience of helping people share their message. Now, since you literally wrote the book on leadership, um, and I'm retired military, 23 years in the military. Thank you. Talk to us about your what you think leadership is. Well, leadership is about creating more leaders. It's not about creating followers. I mean, anyone can try and create followers, but really the true test of your influence is creating other leaders. You think about the most respected football coaches in NFL history, they have a tree. They have people that they mentored who became successful coaches afterwards. And so it's the same thing in life. How are you creating more leaders? How can people trace things up to you? For example, I mean, Tony Robbins always talks about how Jim Rohn was his mentor. A lot of people look up to Tony Robbins and, and rightfully so. But a lot of people that follow Tony Robbins may or may not know about Jim Rohn. And that's where Tony always points to is Jim Rohn. I mean, you know, everyone points to Napoleon Hill as writing, you know, Think and Grow Rich, one of the most influential books in the personal development space. And everyone wants to be the next Napoleon Hill. Now, some people have called me that. Other people have claimed the title. I don't care. I just do what I do. I just want to highlight people's journeys and messages and share what has worked for other people. And I love it. Like I'm actually interviewing Sharon next week. For this. And, uh, you know, and she has an audio book out that I'm listening to. Um, her and Mr. Greg Reed did it together was about Napoleon Hill. Mm -hmm. So, and it's, it's really interesting about mindset and how a lot of people don't realize that talking about masterminds, you know, they were all the way back to the 19 early 1900s. They were talking about it, but that's something that a lot of us fail to do is become part of a mastermind um, and find mentors. Cause I, I believe mentorship is one of the most important things you can do as a business person, as an author, whatever you're doing, you know, find somebody that's doing it to the nth level and, you know, have them mentor you, even if they can't do it physically, but, you know, by listening to their podcast or reading their books, they can become a mentor to you. So please talk about mentorship and masterminds. Well, mentorship is really important. You, you need to have someone who can help you with your journey. And sometimes those mentors are people whose books you read. Sometimes those mentors are people you get to interview for a few minutes, like you do and like I do. Sometimes those mentors are people you pay. And you get the best help when you pay someone who knows what they're doing. And you want to have a mentor who's going where you want to go or who has gone where you want to go and is blazing the trail and is still doing. So people who have been there, done that, and are still doing it, that's the key part. Been there, done that, and still doing it. Because once you stop doing it, the world keeps changing. If you're not still doing it, you lose touch with what's new. So you want to work with someone who's been there, done that, and is still doing it. But masterminds are also really, really important because you get to 
tap into the collective mind of everybody in the group. You get to tap into their collective experience. And I'm a, a part of a couple of uh, high paid mastermind programs. And uh, it's, it's been a great experience because people who are willing to pay to be in a group, uh, by and large, those are the cream of the crop. And they are the ones who understand the value of investing in themselves and investing in others for their own growth. And you get a lot more out of it when you have skin in the game. I, I was just going to say that, you know, like I, I interviewed uh, JLD last week and we mm -hmm. were talking about the first time that he ever joined a mastermind. It cost him like something like thirty five hundred hours. Mm -hmm. And he was really you know, worried about taking that first step because mm -hmm. Entrepreneurs on Fire wasn't that popular yet. But just because he joined that mastermind and became friends with the owner of the mastermind, that somehow the, the the next time that they were doing a doing a um, a retreat, one of the guys pulled out and he was asked to be, become the featured speaker, and it just entrepreneurs on fire just blew up. So I think yeah. sometimes it's you know you have to like you said put some skin in the game, yeah. and let people know you know a lot of people are are afraid to spend money, but un unfortunately um, scared money don't make money, right? You know, and a lot of people, you know, they won't think twice about dropping a thousand or twelve hundred dollars on an iPhone, but yeah. they won't think about joining a mastermind that you can go on with that iPhone. So talk about scared money don't make money. Yeah, you you, you have to be willing to invest in yourself. In fact, uh, when I interviewed Sharon, one of the things that she said that really stuck out to me is, "I don't do anything unless I can figure out how I can make money doing it." So if you're scared to spend the money, it's because you haven't figured out how you can make money in that opportunity yet. And you need to figure that piece out because when you focus on the payoff instead of the payout, your whole mind shifts. So think about how you can make money doing that. I mean, I attended an event in October and I spent $5,000 on it. And I was, I thought about it. I'm like, oh, that's, that's a lot of money. And it is. And so that was my guiding question. How can I, how can I possibly make money doing this? So when you start thinking about that, then your, your mindset around your decisions changes a lot. And, you know, one thing I, I found, um, cause I think rich dad, poor dad was one of the first books that I ever read on self-development. And one thing that I loved that they talked about, you know, was, um, they're rich, you know, rich people and poor people. The only big difference is their vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is, you know, poor people say, how can I, you know, or I can't afford it. But mm -hmm. a, a successful person will say, how can I afford it? Yep. So talk to us, because, you know, you've interviewed some great, amazing people. What are some of the top things that make them successful? They have an unshakable belief in who they are and where they're going. They absolutely have clarity around their mission. They have clarity around what they know they're good at. They know what they're not good at and they delegate those things that they cannot or should not be doing themselves. They focus on the 20%. If you believe in the Pareto principle, 20% of your efforts will result in 80% of your results. And conversely, 80% of your efforts will result in only 20% of your, your results. So 
what are the things that are your highest leverage activities and focus on that and delegate everything else as much as you can. I hired my first VA a few months ago and she's handling the things that I don't have time to do, which is great. I may be hiring another VA sometime in the near future to handle some other things in my business that I just haven't gotten to. I mean, I, I do the things that I do very well, but there are things that are busy work or things that I can do, but don't want to, or they just take me a lot of time and they pull me away from my core purpose. So I hire someone to help me with that. Graphic design is not one of my skills at all. And so she helps me with uh, book layout and graphic design and sometimes transcription and sometimes research, helping me research people that I want to reach out to. Uh, she did an animated explainer video for me, which is really brilliant. She did a really great job on that. I'm going to use that in some marketing. If you look at my Facebook cover photo, uh, she did a branding piece around a photo that I recently had done in a photo shoot a few months ago. And it's great. It explains exactly who I am and what I do. And so when someone messages me blind and says, so what do you do? I said, look at my Facebook profile. Look at the cover photo. It tells you everything you need to know. Don't be lazy when you message me. <laughs> yeah. yep. and, and I see that all the time, especially on LinkedIn, because I'm a big guy. I'm a big uh, proponent of LinkedIn. Yeah. But usually after I, I accept a request, I get pitched like not even three seconds later. Yeah. And kind of like it seems like that's where a lot of the world is heading, where just pray and spray. Where mm -hmm. in the military, you know, we're taught it's better to snipe be a sniper instead of a pray and sprayer. So yeah. talk about that, especially when in, in the beginning, when you were trying to get guests to come on your show, how did you go about it? What, you know, and how did you provide value? Cause I know you're a value adder. You're that, yeah. you're that guy. So talk to us about providing value. Yeah. Well, providing value is really, really important. And I think you need to be willing to provide value before you ask for something. And when I offer to have people come on my show, it's usually people who have something to promote or already have a message that's established. And so I offer to share them with my audience and that's a value add, you know, and I share who else I've interviewed before. I want them to get to know who I am first. And I share something that I've learned from them. If I've read one of their books, I tell them, in their pitch. Hey, I read this book and this is what I got out of it. So I'm not just blindly spraying my pitches everywhere. I'm customizing it to the person that I want to reach. And that's important. It's funny when I get pitches from PR firms and I can tell they're, they're doing a blind pitch because they sometimes forget to copy and paste my name instead of the person who they sent it to before. I feel like we're right reading back and saying, who's Bethany? Yeah. I mean, you know, stuff like that, but after a while, but I'm like, no, I'm just not even, it's not my job to teach you. If you want me to teach you how to do a pitch properly, I will have you pay me to do that. But, uh, it's, it's interesting, but no, you, you have to provide value first. It's not, they don't care what your mission is. People will do things for their reasons, not yours. No, that's why one thing I, I always read, you know, when they said everybody listens to the same radio station. <laughs> WWIFM, you know, what's in it for me. Right. Uh, so, and thank you, by the way. Um, I'm grateful I'm going to be on your show November 22nd. I'm excited yeah. and honored. Yeah. So now, like I said, I'm prior military. So a lot of military people are going to read this. And like for me, when I wrote my book, I 
unfortunately I'm a low tech redneck. So I actually, I actually wrote it down on yellow paper and then, then put it in, you know, into the computer. And then when I read it back, I was like, man, that sounds retarded. So I actually had it edited. Um, But a lot of people think, you know, just because you, you have a book kind of story that, you know, like I'm a big reader. I got nine books going right now. I got not, uh, usually nine at all times. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, when I go to the bookstores, their covers are horrible. They don't yeah. pop. So talk to us about writing a book and then what comes after the book is written. Yeah. I think addressing that last piece that you just mentioned, the cover, we all are taught don't judge a book by its cover, but we do. We do. If the cover just doesn't grab my attention, I don't even want to open it. If I'm in the bookstore or if I'm scrolling through Amazon and a book looks interesting, but I don't like the cover, I may not even, I may look, but I probably won't. And so when I work with my clients, I have several versions of the cover mocked up and I post them all on Facebook. And I say, just give me your feedback on these. And it's interesting with my collaborative dad book that's coming out in a few weeks. I did that. I had my VA mock-up three at first. One of them got a lot more love than the other two did. But then since this is a book about dads, I had a couple people say, I think the front cover should have a child with the adult. I said, of course it should. I didn't even think about that. So I gave that feedback to my VA and she gave me five more copies or five more versions. They all had an adult and a child. Two of them, the child was sitting on the adult's shoulders and three of them, they were walking and they were holding hands, walking, you know, along the rail tracks or in the woods or whatever the scenario was. And they all got some love. And so this is gonna be really hard for me to decide, but we did hit it. You know, asking for feedback on your covers is critical. I would not have gotten that critical piece of information, that critical feedback to have a child in the photo too. No, I'm, I'm, I just turned, I would turn 53 in January. That's how old I am, guys. Guys, when I was younger, we would have go to record stores. There was actually something called a record store. Yeah. And I would sometimes buy albums just because of the cover. Oh, yeah. And, like, you know, I thought it was going to be an ass-kicking heavy metal um, album, and it was an album by Blue Oyster Cult. But because it looked so cool, I had to have it in my collection, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, how did the person go about writing a book? Um, I mean, for me, it was just because Gary Vaynerchuk told me to do it, so that's so that's why I did it. So, how yeah. does a person go about starting to write a book? Well, I I'll give you the answer. I will say that I did a segment on a national TV show called The List last year, where I talked about three quick things you can do to get started writing your book. Where do you um, think I got the question from? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so. Uh, the first thing you need to do is to pick your topic. Now that might sound obvious, but I remember when I was writing term papers in school, that was the hardest part was picking my topic. What do I want to write about? And sometimes when I'm consulting with, with clients, they aren't entirely sure. We might start with something and then the course of our discussion that evolves into something a little bit different. And I want the topic to resonate with the client because it is their book. And this is something they get to live with for the rest of their lives. It's a lot like having a child. Once you have that child, that child's yours forever. 
<laughs> so you want the topic to resonate with you. And so we spend some time going over that. So picking your topic. Now, if you are not sure what the topic of your book should be, ask people that you trust. If I were to write a book, what do you think I should write about? What would you expect me to write about? And the answers may surprise you. So the next thing you need to do is to plan it. So come up with an outline, come up with topics, your subtopics, and you want it to lead into a particular direction. For example, real estate. If you are in real estate, you get asked a certain set of questions all the time, whether you work with buyers or you work with sellers. So the questions and the answers could be short chapters. And then finally execute it. Just do some writing every single day and you'll eventually get there. It's like, it's like chopping down a tree. Even if you take one whack at that tree every single day, eventually it will fall down. It might take a very long time, but take a whack or two or three or five or 10 or 15 or 20 whacks at the tree every day. And eventually it will fall down. Same with writing a book. So now, you know, a lot of people think, okay, I wrote a book. I put it on Amazon. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to be able to retire. And they look at it and weeks later, all they do is hear crickets. Yeah. Talk about the work that goes into after you publish your book and should a person, cause this is a question I wanted to know, cause I self published mine, but my next book is going to be a published book that I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually working with a friend of mine. Should a person, what's the difference between publishing and self publishing and what should a person do? Well, self publishing means you can put it on Amazon. You have complete creative control over the content and the timeline for when you want to release it. And you have to promote your book. I mean, no matter which way you do it, you have to do the promotion. You have to do the selling. You have to keep it out there. Go on shows like this. Go on TV. Speak on stages. Uh, join masterminds. You know, join groups on Facebook that are author related. I mean, in my group, Authorpreneur Live, Wednesday is share your book day. And so I let everyone promote their own book. And hopefully people in the group will buy each other's books. But if nothing else, it gives us all an idea for what we've written about. And it might be a, an opportunity to connect with other authors in the group a little more closely. But if someone is getting a publisher, what you're really doing is uh, you, you are tapping into their distribution network. I worked with Morgan James Publishing. They have access to buyers of all the main chains. And so they were able to pre-sell a bunch of mine in advance. Now, here's the, the interesting piece to that. If your book is in Barnes & Noble and it, it stops selling after a while, they're going to return the copies that didn't sell and those get charged back against you. So having a book in Barnes & Noble might sound very glamorous. And it is. It's fun. I did Barnes & Noble bookstore signings for, for one of my books. In fact, it was for this book, Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers. There's also a volume two right here. I'm going to work on volume three next year. But... Uh, Volume one was in Barnes and Noble and I did probably 15 bookstore signings and I sold some copies at every single one. I didn't zero out at any one of them. I always sold a minimum of three every single time. So you have to, and you have to work just sitting at a table and waiting for someone to come talk to you doesn't work. You have to stand up and greet people. You have to initiate conversations with people because when people come into a bookstore, they're usually not specifically coming to see you. They're coming for their reasons, not yours, like I mentioned before. So you have to engage them. So you have to promote this all the time. 
It's not just sit back and let the money roll in. And this is another reason why I ask what your call to action is going to be at the end of the book. It's not just about selling a copy of your book for 20 bucks or whatever you're charging. It's about what else can someone do to be involved in your world? Do you want them on your list? Do you want them to buy something else next, a bigger ticket item next? Do you want them to attend your event? Do you want them to join your coaching program? Do you want them to hire you to do the thing that you're good at? So that's really, really important. So you're using your book as a springboard to leverage something else in your business. And that's why you're writing a book. Telling your story is fun. And if you don't really have a big goal for your book other than that, that's okay. Sometimes people write a book because it's a therapeutic thing to do. It's their way of dealing with something that they've gone through. And that's fine. That's legitimate. I know people who aren't trying to sell thousands of copies of their book. They're writing it for themselves and maybe a few other people in their circle. That's okay. It's totally fine. But if you are an entrepreneur, your book has to have a purpose. And if you're hiring someone to write your book, it's not always cheap because you're hiring that person's expertise. And so you have to have a plan. You better have a plan for what your book is going to do for you later. You know, one thing I love, it was somebody that I was talking to and they were an author and they said, you know, Rich, they said the word author is short for the word authority. And once you, you know, people know that you have a book out there, you kind of become an authority on that subject. But now I have a question for you personally, Brian, because yeah. mm -hmm. uh, you know, when I wrote my book a couple years ago, it was to save lives. Yeah. It was to get people to, you know, think, think about, you know, not committing suicide, talking about substance abuse. But I never and this is just it just clicked with me. A minute ago, I never did anything with a call to action. And, you know, now it's out there and it's it's gotten some, you know, some like a lot of great reviews. But I never thought about putting a call to action. So what happens if you get a person like me that put a book out a couple of years ago, um, but now they're just discovering, <laughs> wait a minute, I don't have a call to action. What do you do? Well, if it's in a digital format, you can change it and put it back on Amazon again. I mean, there's probably nothing wrong with that. Or what you can do is in your second book, you can put a call to action in your second book. Okay. So now what do you have going on? I seen you had a great event. Was it last weekend? Talk to us about that. And then talk yeah. to us about some of the, you got a, a great big award, which I'm so proud of you for. Thank so you. Talk about that. I belong to Apex, which is a mastermind created and run by Ryan Stimmen. And they have an event every quarter called Apex Live in Dallas. And so that happened last Friday and they had their first annual award ceremony. They had a bunch of speakers and there's a lot of networking and you get to meet a lot of high level people who are in the network. In fact, you don't even have time to meet everybody who's there. But uh, it, it was really great. So they had an award ceremony and I was nominated for an award called Doing the Work. And there's probably 12 or 1300 people in this group. And I was one of three nominees and I ended up being the winner. Blew my mind. That's Blew my awesome. mind. I posted some pictures of it on Facebook last weekend. That's awesome. So now <laughs> I have to live up to this. <laughs> now, now, now you really got to do the work. Right. So about what you got going on now and how we can 
um, find your books and how we can support your mission. Yeah. So the books that I've written, you can find on Amazon. Just look, look for Brian K. Wright. And I just, you know, I showed you these two books, Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, Volume 1 and Volume 2. The purple one is Volume 2. Those are on Amazon. Uh, successprofilesmagazine.com is my magazine. So you can go there if you want to check that out and even subscribe. That would be awesome and amazing. And Success Profiles Radio is on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe and leave a review there. And if you do want to have a conversation with me about writing your book, go to writeabookforyou.com. Writeabookforyou.com. And that site explains the process I go through, some testimonials, and a link to my appearance on the list, which we talked about a little bit ago. And you can see the whole segment for yourself. It's like two minutes and 15 seconds. And at the bottom is a link to get on my calendar. Okay. Now I, I'm, uh, I'm a father of three, two grown boys, or almost grown boys and a nine-year-old daughter. So I'm definitely going to be picking up the book because that's something that um, I'm definitely interested. Now, my last question I ask everybody, and uh, I, I love the question because I get a thousand different answers by a thousand people. You know, we still live in a COVID world. We live in a crazy world where, um, you know, in New Jersey, we're, I think we're going back on lockdown. A lot of parents lost their jobs, so they're driving for Uber or Dash, you know, just to put food on the table. So if I ask the average American to do something in seven days, they're never going to get to it. But if I ask somebody that's going to listen to this show to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely to do it. Right. So somebody's listening to us right now that has that idea that they want to do it. You know, they, they, they want it, but they're kind of hemming and hawing a little bit. What is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to get some progress? Have an intention about it and just do something about it. Have an accountability partner. That's really huge. Knowing your strong reason why you need to do something is, is going to be your biggest motivator at all. Having, have all. having clarity around your reason why you're doing something will give you the momentum to get started. And it's just getting started. Once you've started, you're on your way. The hard part is just taking that first step and hitting the go button. So just do that. I love it. I guess, like you say, just do the work, right? Mm -hmm. Just do the work. So guys, definitely check out Brian. Make sure you go to all his pages. Make sure you follow him on social media. Join his group if you are an author. Um, amazing group. I just joined last week and truly amazing. Guys, if you like what you heard today, please follow, please share, leave a comment. And uh, so grateful for you guys. And remember, vertical momentum, the only way to go is but up. All right, Brian, have an amazing week, brother. And thank you so much for your friendship. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you too. All right, God bless. You too. Hey guys, if you're enjoying our show, if you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new t-shirt line that's coming out. Hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support Vertical Momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand, 
coming out. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. It's ass kicking coffee, and and it will it will get you moving in the morning. So, guys, if you're interested, go to www.richardkaufman.net. Check us out. Leave us a note. Tell us what you'd like, and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built. So if you guys want to, our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.